Well, I'm going to bring you now the word of the Lord for our 11 o'clock service. And if you have your Bibles and you want to read with me, we're going to read from Exodus chapter 33 and verse 9, following Exodus chapter 33 and verse 9. Whenever Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak to Moses. When all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would arise and worship, each one at the entrance of his tent. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, just as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses returned to the camp, his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you yourself have not let me know whom you will send with me. Moreover, you have said, I have known you by name, and you have also found favour in my sight. Now therefore I pray you, if I have found favour in your sight, let me know your ways, that I may know you, so that I may find favour in your sight. Consider too, this nation is your people. And he said, My presence shall go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. For how then can it be known that I have found favour in your sight, I and your people? Is it not by your going with us? so that we, I and your people, may be distinguished from all the other people who are upon the face of the earth. The Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing of which you have spoken, for you have found favour in my sight, and I have known you by name. The title of my sermon is Friends with God. Who do you like to be with? I mean, who do you really like? to spend time with. Just think about it for a moment. People in your life, that as soon as you're with them, you're happy. If you have an appointment with them, or if you're going to do something with them, you're happy. And the thing that you're happy about most is not what you're going to do, a show, or a meal, or a walk in the park, but you're happy because you're going to be with them. Sometimes the people that we want to be with are far away and in an international congregation like we are here at the 11 o'clock, it could be that some of your favourite people, some of the people you like to be with most are in far off countries. Have you ever been in a place where you're greeting somebody you just love to be with from a long journey? Maybe they're flying into Heathrow and you're going to be at the airport meeting and greeting them. Maybe they're coming down by train and you're at the train station and you're waiting because you know they're going to be on that train. You can Skype them. You can uh, get in touch with them on various social media. But you know that it's nothing, nothing is like when you're with these people that matter to you. And there you are in the airport and you're getting excited because the airport notices says, that the uh, airplane has landed, is now disembarking. And so you go to where they all come out and they're streaming out all these people and you're just looking and you're waiting and you're excited because somebody important to you 
They are going to come through. And when they do, you hug them. You're happy. You're so excited. You're with them again. Who are the people in your life that you love to be with? You see, this is what Moses was praying about to God in this situation. God was saying that he wasn't going to be with the people anymore. They would have to go and inherit the land by themselves. He'd send the angel, but he himself wasn't going. And Moses wasn't having any of it. In the passage that we read, we saw that that God was meeting regularly with Moses in the tent. And that in this tent, something special was happening. Moses and God would have conversations. And it says that the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, just as a man speaks to his friend. There's nothing like being face to face with a loved one or a friend, just to be in their presence, just to be around them, where you're eating or what you're doing is secondary. It's the fact that you're together. Well, if we back up a bit to this place where Moses is saying, please go with us, don't leave us. I'm not going to go if you're not going to go. And then God says, all right, I'll be with you. If we backtrack a little bit to find out what was going on, well, this is what had happened. Moses had been a number of weeks up on Mount Sinai. He was with his friend, God, and they were discussing things and God was giving him the law and implementations for his people. And while Abraham was with his friend, God, and they were talking and fellowshipping on Mount Sinai for around three weeks, downstairs, down, downstairs or down at the bottom of the mountain, the people were getting restless. They were getting impatient. Where was God? Why wasn't God moving things on? Where was Moses? Why wasn't he down? When was he coming down? It had been weeks now, and they got impatient with God. They lost their patience. And so what did they do? They made a golden calf. They thought that the golden calf would be a representation of the God that had brought them out. Because God hadn't shown up, and because they they didn't know where Moses was, they needed something tangible in their life something they could touch, something they could worship, something they could be in the presence of. And so this golden calf, this idol, they thought would fit the bill perfectly. They could have something in the midst that they could go to. Well, it was a terrible mistake. And uh, when God looked down and showed Moses, God was rightfully annoyed and said to Moses, I will wipe out every one of these people and I'll start Israel all over again through you. And they had a conversation. They keep having conversations in these chapters, God and Moses' friend, like friends. It's like God says to Moses, do you know what, Moses, come here. I can talk to you because you're my friend. I'm speaking in human ways, but so was God. I can talk to you Because you're my friend, Moses. I've had it with this people. Time and time again, they've tried and they've tested me. What more can I do for them to trust me and know that I'm their God and their saviour? This time, Moses, it's gone too far. I'm letting you know, because you're my friend, what my intentions are. I'm going to blot them out. And do you know what I'm going to do, my friend, Moses? Because you're my friend, I'm going to start all over again with you your descendants. You'll be like Abraham number two and all Israel will also come through you as they did through Abraham. And Abraham, God's friend, said, whoa, whoa, God, 
My friend, think about this. Think about your glory. Think about your honour. Think about your plans. Think about what the nations will say. There was a discussion between friends over this situation and God was willing to listen to Moses and Moses was willing to listen to God. And in the end, God said, you know, because you've prayed, because you've spoken to you, because you're my friend, because you've interceded, then uh, I will not totally destroy them or obliterate them. And although there was judgment, God spared his people. But he did say this, we alluded to it in Moses' prayer to him, will you please go up with us? But in chapter 33, a little bit earlier on, God says, you can go, but I'm not going to go with you. Exodus 33, 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, depart, go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought up from the land of Egypt to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, saying, to your descendants I will give it. I will send an angel before you and I'll drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Hivite and the Jebusite. Go up to a land flowing in milk and honey for I will not go up in your midst because you're an obstinate people and I might destroy you on the way. So there's God saying, to, saying to Moses, you go up, I'll send my angel, you'll still triumph, you'll still get everything I've promised you, but you know what, Moses, my friend, I'm not going to go. And the reason that I'm not going to go is to be honest with you, humanly speaking, if I go up, I won't be able to take any more of that lot and I'll destroy them on the way. Now, think about this, because what we're seeing here is this, is that God can be for you, yet not with you. For you, yet not with you. And this is one of my main points of what I want to present to you today. God said, I'll be for you. All that he'd promised, he was going to bring to pass. He said, the land of milk and honey, off you go, take them in. I'll destroy all the enemies that are in front of you. You'll possess all the land. You'll drink the milk. You'll eat the honey. You'll enjoy the promise that I promised to you. The only thing is, and the only thing that'll be missing is me. I'm not coming. I'll send my angel. I'll send my number two. He'll go with you. And he's got my authority. And he's going on my behalf. And he will be there for you. He will see you through the battles. He will help you through the trials. He'll do it on my behalf, but I won't be there. So God was saying, you can have everything I've promised you. You can have the blessing. You can have the victory. You can enjoy the promises. You can inherit the land. You can have all of these things, and yet you will not have me. Isn't that a sobering thought? That somebody, through their journey, this was a journey into the promised land, and God said, I'm no longer going on the journey with you. Still go on the journey. You'll get everything I've ever promised, but I won't be with you. It's possible on earth that, that a Christian could go on a journey that God has set out for them and achieve everything that God had planned for them. And, and get to the destination that God had destined for them and know that God was for them and yet it's possible that God was not with them. 
that he wasn't their friend. God can be for us and yet not with us. And we need to think about this because sometimes what can happen is we can go to God because we know God's for us. So when we're in difficult times, that's when we go to God because we need him to be for us. God, I'm coming back to you again because I'm in difficulties. It's not working out as it should. Uh, I, I, I'm not progressing in life as I'd hoped or as I'd planned or I thought that you had planned. So I'm coming back to you and I'm pressing in. Are you for me? Are you for me? Are you for me? And then suddenly you get your breakthrough and then you, go, you don't need to go back to the Lord. Why? Because everything's going well. God is for you. He's given you your breakthrough. He's given you what you've asked. You've been blessed. You've been promoted. Uh, the circumstance, you came through it. it you, you went into the tunnel, but you found the light at the tunnel. God was for you in good times and bad times. And you can say, thank you, God, for being for you. But the deeper question that is in this passage is, was God with you? Did you grow in friendship with the Lord? You see, for Moses, it was all about his friendship with the Lord. That, that's what it was about. So when God said, you go, I'll send my angel with you and we'll accomplish all these things, but you won't have me around to chat to, Moses said, no way. He said, if you don't go with us, I don't want to go either. I want to be with you on this journey. In fact, being with you is more important than this journey. And I don't want to go on this journey if you're not with me. Can you see the friendship that's there? Moses valued friendship more than destiny, friendship with God. He valued friendship more than breakthrough, friendship more than inheritance, friendship more than milk and honey. Friendship was his primary goal. And he didn't see the point in making history without his friend around the Lord. It's like when you plan to do something with a good friend, somebody you like to be with, and you want to do something, you want to go to a sporting match with them, or you want to have a meal, or, or you're just cooking a meal for them, or you're going on a journey, or you're going to holiday together, whatever it is, you're making plans to do something together with your good friend. Have you ever been in a place where you've bought tickets, and then a good friend says, oh, I can't go. I'll tell you what, I'll give you the money for the tickets, but unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to make it. Or you've made plans. You say, well, we're going, we're going on a journey. We're going to visit the seaside. Oh, I'm sorry, I, I can't go. But you go ahead. And you're sort of like, it wasn't really about going to the seaside. It was about going to the seaside together. Well, thank you for saying you'll buy the ticket to the show, but really it wasn't so much going to the show as enjoying the show together. You hear what, you hear what I'm saying? It was a sense that the journey or the destination or the experience was secondary to just being with that person that you like to be with. That's exactly what's happening here. And Moses, when he speaks to God, he says to him, look, What's the point? If you don't go with us, he says in Exodus 33, verse 16, he says, if you don't come with us, then whatever we accomplish, we won't be distinguished from all the other people who are on the face of the earth. What does he mean? Well, I think he's saying this. He's saying, God, if you're not with us, what's the difference between us and other nations? Other nations uh, are victorious 
and build empires. Other nations have their moment in history. The Roman Empire, the Persian Empire, the Greek Empire, the British Empire, the whatever empire you want to talk about. Other nations have their moment of victory in time. What if we went without you, Lord? And we accomplished all these things and we took the promised land and we'd be written down in history as those that took Canaan. Well, what would be the difference between us and everybody else? You raise people up, you bring people down, uh, you put people in power, whether they be believers or non-believers, you bless, you raise up nations, you bring down nations. So what would be the difference with us? We'd just be another nation of historical interest in history. But if you become our friend, then it won't just be about the victories and the breakthroughs, but people will say, hey, we know nations rise and nations fall and nations have empires and nations have breakthroughs, but this nation was different. Why? They had a friend. They had a friend who was God who didn't just give them the victory, but spent time with them. You know, it's not about the destination or the journey of life so much as who you travel to the destination with. It's not about these victories that you will get or I will get with the Lord. I mean, sorry, victories that you and I will get in life. It's not about God being for us but more than anything, like Moses, we should cultivate the understanding that actually life is all about who's with you, who's around you. Sometimes when you're facing difficulties in your life, perhaps a loved one has cancer or, or, or you're in hospital or, or, or you're going through a situation where life becomes real because life becomes very, very frail. And you hear people say, you know, when life became frail to me or during this sickness or this accident or this situation or mental breakdown or whatever it might be, I suddenly began to realise that what really mattered was the loved ones that were around me. What really mattered were my friends, the close people. And it was only when I went through that time where life became very frail that I realised that life was all about people, friends. Loved ones. Well, how much more is it not true that life for us is really about our friend, the Lord, and that Moses is our great example? You know, in James chapter 2, verse 23, we find another friend of God. Moses was the friend of God. And now we find Abraham was also known as a friend of God. James 2, 23. It says, Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness and he was called the friend of God. Now there's a story behind Abraham's friendship with God as there's a story behind Moses' friendship with God. Because Moses' friendship with God was a journey of friendship and Abraham's friendship with God was also a journey. When God first turned up to Abraham, Abraham didn't have a clue who he was, so God had to tell him. God turned up and basically said, Abraham, I am the Lord. And by the way, 
I'm going to give you a miracle son, Isaac, by your barren wife, Sarah. And uh, Abraham was like, I have no idea who you are. I don't know anything about you. You've just uh, introduced yourself to me as the Lord. But you know what? I believe you. And God said, because you believe me, you've now become my child. Your sins are forgiven you. You're righteous. You can approach me anytime. And now we're going to have a journey. And that journey is about you getting to know me as a friend. And sometimes we take the eye, our eyes off what God is really doing in our lives, our circumstances, our career paths. We're thinking about what's going to happen next. We're thinking about circumstances. We're thinking about where we're going to be next year. We're thinking about all these things and these things aren't bad. We're thinking like the children of Israel, the promised land. How are we going to get in there? Where shall we take first? What's the milk going to be like? What's the honey? We're thinking of like Abraham did at the beginning. Oh, when's this child going to come? Uh, what's he going to be like? How long will I have to wait? Where will the child be born? And so we're thinking about the journey of life and the things that will happen to us and the things that we will do. And that's foremost in our mind. But what God wants us to know is that the foremost thing on his mind in our journey with him, in, the, in our life on earth, is the development of our friendship with him. So Abraham, his journey through life, the most important thing to God was not that he would have a miracle child. Couldn't God have given him an Isaac in nine months? He could have given him in a week, couldn't he? God's God. Why did God spend so long, uh, something like 50 years, before Isaac was born, when he could have brought Isaac in an instant, in nine months? It could have happened. They could have had a child. Why? Because God was more concerned with forging a friendship with Abraham than giving him a miracle that he could do instantaneously and at any time. A miracle breakthrough is easy for God. Forming a friendship with a human being, that's another thing altogether. That's almost a greater miracle. Uh, to form a, a friendship with a frail, untrusting, fearful human being like you and I are. And, and Abraham's life, if you look at it from a friendship situation, was a growing thing. Do you know, Christian, the Christian life is nothing more than working through our trust issues with the Lord. God has promised, is he faithful? What's going on? God, what's happened in my life? Is he still with me? God, are you going to help me in this area? I've prayed to you, I've not heard an answer. Has he listened to me? It all boils down to trust issues. Do you trust him or don't you trust him? And as we grow in our trust of God, guess what? We become greater friends with him. So Abraham, he had his friendship problems. He was immature in his knowledge of God. Uh, he gave up his wife twice as his sister. The very woman that was going to bring forth the miracle child, twice Abraham said, nope, she's my sister. And the king of Egypt nearly married her. But God, who was a good friend, intervened anyway. He had his Ishmael. He got bored of waiting for God. Where's God? God must have forgotten his promises. God not, must not be good for his promise. God must, mustn't have meant what he actually said. So let's get the slave girl and let's have an Ishmael. You, you see those, those patterns. 
But then at this place in James, where he was called the friend of God, at that point, he was rock solid, best friend with the Lord. Abraham, he'd be tweeting, Yahweh is my BFF. <laughs> you know, best friend forever. Teenagers love having BFFs, only they change every week. And sometimes we can be a bit like that with the Lord. He's my best friend forever until we don't understand what he's done or what he's not done. And then we're doubting whether he even loves us. But here, when he was called God's friend, it was when God said to him, Isaac had been born. He said, take Isaac up on the mountain and sacrifice him. By that time, Abraham and God were good friends. He'd worked out through all his trust issues. So Abraham, it says in Hebrews, reckoned to himself and said, you know what? I know you by now, Lord. I've learned, I've learned. We're friends, we're good friends. So my friend, Yahweh, if you're telling me to take the son you gave me through which uh, my offspring will come, and he's not had any offspring, and to sacrifice him, well, that means, my friend Yahweh, that if I sacrifice him, you'll just have to raise him from the dead. I believe you can, I believe you will. He had no issue at all in this. This wasn't even a test of their friendship. Well, it was, but you know what I mean? But Abraham was so friends with God. So they'd worked out through the mile stones on the path of his life. They'd worked out something more important than a miracle, something more important than a breakthrough, something more important than success. They'd worked out a precious friendship. He was called the friend of God. And he was known to be a friend of God because of his friendship with God. If you were to have any label, any title in the world, rather than apostle or pastor or reverend or CEO or what, whatever it might, headmaster, whatever it might be in, in your situation, the best thing that you could ever be called is a friend of God. Jehoshaphat called Abraham a friend of God in 2 Corinthians 20 verse 7. When he prayed, he said, the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever. Isaiah 41 verse 8, but you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I've chosen, uh, descendants of Abraham, my friend. He was known to be God's friend. Moses, as we saw, friendship with God was more than anything. God can be for you but not necessarily with you in friendship. It's our choice. You can be a child of God, but not necessarily a friend of God. If you're a parent here today, you know, or everybody's from families, you know that a parent can have a child, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that child will always be friends with the parent, does it? It's a different thing altogether when, when you parent a child and then things begin to change and you become friends with your son or daughter or friends with your, your mother and father. You can be a child of someone and yet not their friend. It's the same with the Lord. You'll be his child, he'll be for you. And like a good parent, he'll step in, he'll watch out. You give him your list. You know, sometimes uh, it can be with children, not my children, but we know enough about children that, when, that you don't hear for them when they leave home for months. And then when you hear for them, you say, what do they want? <laughs> it's only halfway through the first term of university and they, they're, they're saying, I need to speak to you tonight, dad, mom. They must have run out of money. Do you, you know what I'm saying? Or friends that we know. 
and you, these friends are fair weather friends and they only get in touch with you when they want something from you. And they oh no, what do they want again? You can be a friend, you can be a son without being a friend, a daughter without being a friend of God. It's like that song, which I do enjoy, I do enjoy it. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. And, and we sing it and it's good because there's good stuff in it. I like it. But if I was to be a grumpy, nap-picking theologian today, I would say this. That song makes a liar out of a lot of us. Because it assumes that we, because we're children of God, we must also be his friends. But we've just seen that friendship is a development that you grow in friendship with the Lord. And in fact, that is his most important imperative thing in your life more than anything else. The blessings and the deliverances and the protections and the provisions, all important. But the primary thing is he wants to be your friend and he wants you to be his friend and he wants a friendship relationship with you. You know, there was a time when Jesus said to his disciples, you're now my friends. John chapter 15, verse 15. John 15, 15. No longer do I call you slaves or servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I heard from my father, I have shared or made known with you. Look at that. You see, a servant... You see your master at work. You see his effects, but you don't know what he's thinking or the inner workings of him. It's like you can look out at some great politician, sports personality, someone in the media, someone historical, and you can see their impact on the world. You can see the gold medal they won at the Olympics. You can, you can see them dance on Strictly Come Dancing. You can see all of these things. You can see their gifting but you don't know what they're like inside. You don't know how they're thinking. And friendship with God is more than just seeing his effects, seeing what he can do in history. Friendship with God is getting behind the scenes. Do you notice with Moses, he got behind the scenes, didn't he? The children of Israel, they were like, where's God? He's not here, let's, do a, let's have a calf. But behind the scenes, there was friendship going on. Abraham speaking to God, God's explaining to Abraham, Abraham's responding to God, there's a beautiful friendship. Abraham's saying, if you're not going, I'm not going, because it's all about our friendship, and I'd rather be with you here than go on a journey without you, even if you send your angel. Psalm 103 verse 7 sort of summarises it, talking about Moses, Psalm 103 verse 7. God made known his, known his ways to Moses his deeds to the people of Israel. So his children, who weren't his friends, they saw the miracles, they saw the power, they were at the meetings, they saw the interventions, they thanked God that, they, that he was for them, their prayers were answered down the line, and they saw God's work. But Moses, Moses saw his ways, his whys, his hows, his thoughts, his emotions, his responses, his feelings. Moses prized that more than anything. I've been thinking about this a lot over the last few weeks. And um, I don't know about you, but if you have a computer, do you have some wallpaper on that computer? I wonder what wallpaper you have chosen. Is it some family? Is it some friends? 
Uh, is it a picture of a beautiful Caribbean beach that you can like fly to in your imagination for a moment? A beautiful picture of an animal. Who, who knows what that picture might be on your wallpaper of your computer? Well, at my home computer for the last three or four weeks, I thought I'd share with you the wallpaper that I've had on because I've thought about this picture, I've meditated on it, uh, it's been a great blessing and it might seem a bit silly, but I thought I'd share it with you anyway. If we could put it up, please, Michelle. And here is a picture. Uh, and this is at the end of John's Gospel. And the disciples are out there fishing. They've caught nothing. They've been there before. And then they hear from the side a voice saying, cast out your nets again. And they cast out their nets and all of a sudden the nets are absolutely full and they can hardly bring them in. And at that point, Peter recognises who this is. And even though there's all this fish, he doesn't care. All he cares about is his friend is there. So he takes off his top and he dives into the water and he's doing the front crawl to get to where Jesus was simply because he wants to be with Jesus. Now, he, he's got some uh, issues that need to be dealt with with Jesus, but at that moment, he just wants to be with him. And so I think about this picture. I've meditated on this picture. And I thought, you know, I'm out, am I out there on that boat, the boat of life, the boat of business, getting on day by day? Are you on that boat with me? What are we doing? Well, we're in a difficult situation trying to catch fish, whatever that means to you, whatever. We're trying to live life. We're on the journey, trying to get through, trying to get by, trying to get over. Uh, we're doing all these things out there on the boat. And then a voice comes, well, throw it out again. And suddenly we get our breakthrough. Suddenly we get our blessing. Suddenly uh, God comes through for us. And we're like, yeah, this is great. And then we continue on the boat. Or we're too busy enjoying the fish that God has just given us in our breakthrough. We're enjoying it. Thank you, Lord. Oh, blessing. He's for us. But is he with us? And I think, wow, I, I want to be like Peter. Whatever breakthrough miracle I get, whatever success on the journey, I want to be the first off that boat and by that campfire. So I'd sit literally looking at that picture at home in my office, and I think, wow, it'd be nice to be around there. There he is, Jesus, just signalling. Come on, spend some time. Well, what about the fish? <laughs> Forget the fish when your friend rings up. You want to be with your friend. And I'd say, wow, what would... And I thought to myself, you know, what would I... As I'm thinking, what would I say to him around that fire? And you know what? I thought, you know, nothing. I don't think I'd... What about... And I was thinking to the Lord, I said, Lord, if I was by that fire with you right now, I wouldn't say a word. I've got loads that I need, loads of prayer requests. We can do our business maybe another day. Do you know what I'd like to do? I'd like to stare into that fire with you. And you, know, you don't have to say anything either, Lord. I don't need a promise. I don't need, a, I don't need anything. You don't need to speak encouragement. Just to be with you would be wonderful. Just to sit and be with you. Have you ever had someone you can just sit with? You don't have to talk. I've got a friend of mine, and we don't see each other much. But when we do see each other... There's such an ease. We hadn't seen each other for about a year and a half. We ended up in the same car together. And there were minutes where we didn't even talk. Other times that we did. Because we were just happy, literally, just happy to be in the car together. Well, as I asked the worship team to come up to you, my message to you, I think you, you can see, is simple. 
is that in everything that we do and everything that we are, in our journey and God's promises and inheritance and the promised land for us as individuals and together, in all these things, these things are important, but they're secondary. And I believe that God is calling us to dive off the boat and to work on our friendship with him. To realise like Abraham and like Moses, everything that's happening to us is firstly all about becoming friends with the Lord. Not just seeing him act, but knowing why he act, getting to know him and him getting to know us. We talk about his presence being with us. We're going to sing a song in a few moments. Just open our hearts again to the Lord and say, Lord, if I was by that fire with you today, I just want to be with you. No, I got my prayer list and everything, but quite honestly, I just want to, just want to be around you because it's a great place to be. That's what we mean by his presence. It's not always goosebumps and manifestations. Thank God for those things. But sometimes you can feel nothing, but you just pause. You just say, I just want to be with you for a bit, Lord. No agenda, just like being around you. When you're around him, issues get dealt with. Peter got restored. Peter, do you love me? It was words of friendship. Peter, do you love me? Peter said, well, we're friends, aren't we? Peter, do you love me? I said, aren't we friends? And then Jesus said to Peter, devastated Peter. Jesus said, Peter, are we even friends? And Peter was hurt by that. He said, well, I thought that we were. But during that time of friendship, talking, clearing the air, Jesus was saying, feed my sheep, tend my lambs. It was a friendship that would cause great impact to come to the earth.